what you focus on expands. I mean, that's really everything around personal development. It really dials into where you focused. And for me personally, focusing on debt created more debt. You're listening to The Life & Money Show, a podcast that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth for their families and impacting the world around them. And now here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey everyone, Annie Dickerson here together with the fabulous Julie Lamb. And we've got another great episode of the Life and Money Show for you today. We are talking to Chris Felton. He and his wife, Marlo, are the authors of Couples Money. And on top of that, Chris is a best-selling author, personal finance expert, and professional speaker. Now, what I love about Chris's story is that he went through some really devastating financial experiences in his life and together with his wife, Marlo, they sort of came through that. But in this conversation, he really dives in and shares the details of that pain and that hurt and that stress and that tension that causes so much friction in a lot of relationships. And he really dives into exactly what happened in his story and the generations of financial strain that went before him and all those lessons that he carried from his upbringing, from his parents, his grandparents, that translated into him having poor financial habits and being broke and feeling financially strapped and feeling tense in his relationship around finances. And then he went into these transformational moments that he had where he then came to terms with where he really was financially. And he said, you know what? enough is enough. He has this moment where he talks about in the show where it was just completely devastating, but he didn't quit. He didn't throw in the towel. He faced it head on. And as he talks about a lot in the show, success is on the other side of your comfort zone. And he really pushed himself in those moments to go beyond what he was comfortable with and what he knew, but to explore a new path. And that's something that Julie and I both have experienced, not only in business, but in our personal lives as well. And we talk a little bit about that in the show show too. And how those experiences, you know, sometimes when you're going through pain and difficult experiences and things aren't going according to plan, you wonder, why is this happening? Why? I'm just trying to achieve this goal or I'm trying to hit this target, but all these obstacles are getting in my way. And It's hard in those moments to understand the why, but if you push through as Chris did in in his experience, he shares, he pushed through, he made a commitment and he and his wife Marlo got on the same page about their goals moving forward and they really transformed their life. And I think that's something that both Julie and I have experienced as well, both in our business as well as in our personal lives. And so Chris talks a lot about making sure that you're on the same page with your spouse or your partner, whether it's your husband or your wife, or it's your business partner, but making sure that you're on the same page 
as far as your goals and then taking those and breaking them down, chunking them down. So he talks about his big goal and then breaking that down into quarters and then even down to each week what he's planning to do. And then he and his wife come together every week. They look at, okay, what worked this week? What didn't work this week? And it's through the combination of having that big picture goal and the big why, and he talks about that a lot too, having that big why to carry you through and then chunking that down and looking at that week by week, day by day and making those tiny course corrections along the way. Because as you know, it's those two millimeter shifts that really get you the results. And so this is such a powerful conversation and Chris has such a powerful story of just persistence and will and commitment and resilience through all that he's gone through. And now he's on a mission to share his story and to make an impact in the lives of others. So I think you're going to love this episode. Now, before we get into it, I did want to remind you all that Investing in real estate, particularly passive investing through real estate syndications, can be a great way to build wealth, which is a lot of what Chris talks about in the show. And so if you're new to the world of real estate investing or syndications, we've got just the thing for you. A great place to start is to get a copy of our book. It's called Investing for Good. And we have a free hardcover copy for all of you. Just go to goodegginvestments.com slash book. And with that, let's go ahead and dive into our conversation with Chris Felton. Chris, welcome to the show. How are you? Better than ever. I'm happy to be here. Great to, great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, we're better than ever too. Excited to have you here. Excited to dig into your phenomenal story. Now, Chris, together with your wife, Marlo, you wrote the book, Couples Money, which explains how you were able to quadruple your business in a few short years during the Great Recession, nonetheless, and overcome serious financial struggles. Now, obviously, you've achieved tremendous success since then, but start by taking us back to that time or even earlier, if you'd like. What were you doing prior to the Great Recession, and how did that financial crisis impact your overall trajectory? Yeah, I'll I'll briefly kind of cover childhood real quick, because that's going to be a key part of what we're going to talk about is our belief systems. But I grew up in Loveland, Colorado, which is 60 miles north of Denver, to two amazing parents that did the best they could. But guess what? They were financially illiterate. They didn't know how money worked. They argued over money, fought over money, stressed over money, divorced over money. The reason we wrote our book, Annie, is 60% of divorces are tied back to financial stress. Five leading killers in the United States today, stress-related. My mom passed away at 64, worked her whole life, saved a grand total of $10,000, Colon cancer was what got her. I think the root was just constant stress around money. My dad made it to 88, have no idea how, but died broke and said, probably what your parents might have told you, go to school, get good grades, get a good job. Everything will turn out. We know that model is very broken. And so I went to uh, Colorado State University, got an accounting degree, moved down to Denver in 1993. So I just turned 50 and went to work for the largest accounting firm in the world at that time called Arthur Anderson. 
and climb the corporate ladder and then realized that trading time for money wasn't good and started looking at my entrepreneurial journey and landed in financial services, having the mission of teaching people how money works, but left that place in 2000 and then uh, went through a divorce. My kids who are now 20 and 17 were little babies. They moved to Atlanta, Georgia. And then I met my second and last wife, (laughs) Marlo. And she thought I was uh, smart and brilliant and all those good things. And she didn't realize how broke I was. And so through a divorce, through stupidity, through really bad choices, this CPA financial advisor had accumulated a quarter of a million dollars of unsecured debt. And we are entering the Great Recession. And because of stupid decisions, I was leaking about three or $4,000 a month. Not good. So I'm hiding it from her. We did not merge our money yet. And I was basically staying alive through credit card checks and just anyway, not good stuff. And so I started really diving into personal growth and development. And I read somewhere that meditating was a good thing. (laughs) And so we're living in this horrific house in central Denver with windows from the 1950s. It's freezing. My wife's not happy. She's not sure what's going on. I go in my garage because that's the only quiet place that I can be in. And I start meditating, waiting for God to rescue me or whatever. And then I got kind of the download because my wife had wanted to take over the finances, but no way do I want her to know how bad it is, right? And so I'm holding on to running the household finances. We're arguing over it. She doesn't know what's going on. And literally one of the best intuition, and we could spend an hour on intuition, but one of the best intuitive hits I've ever had in my life, Andy, was literally my brain got quiet enough for the message to come through, let her do it. And I'm a big Mel Robbins fan. If you guys know who she is, Mm -hmm. her whole five second rule. And that book wasn't written yet. But basically, if you don't move on that intuitive hit within five seconds, then your egoic brain, whose number one job is to keep you stuck right where you are and starts talking out of things. I didn't understand all this, but for whatever reason, I got my butt up within seconds and I walked in the house and I walked over to Marlo and I said, okay, it's all yours. So let's sit down, checkbooks, bank statements, all that. I'll hand it over to you. And like I said, single greatest financial decision I ever made. However, there was a little bit of pain that ensued. So she got through it and it was about a week later and I'm in the kitchen doing dishes And then guys that are listening, you can always tell when that presence of your spouse (laughs) is on you. And I'm like, I kind of look over and she had the checkbooks and the bank statements. And I've never seen a look. I never want to see that look again. It's hard to describe, but it was frustration, bewilderment, probably a little bit of hate. I mean, I don't know what, but she was basically like, what happened? And She's like, this is dire. And 
what did you do? And she's like, I thought you were smart. Like, what is your deal? Like, this is Chris, we're a quarter of a million dollars in credit card debt. And the only way you're keeping the office open and paying the mortgage is you're like pulling lines of credit. And so then we had that called the come to Marlowe meeting, which was awesome. So we sit down and she introduced me to a four letter word called budget, which I know is not a four letter word, but it was a four letter word to me. And she's trying to get this all figured out. And one of my favorite quotes is optimism and delusion sleep in the same bed together. And guys can tend to get a little delusional. And it was all about, I didn't want her to look where we were. I wanted her to look ahead. Well, no, like, no, it's changing. It's this and this. And so I basically had zero relationship to current results, which a coach corrected me on that. But I still didn't get it. And then we had to get out of that house. We're renting a house now. It's getting worse. And I'm running out of places to go get money. We're in the Great Recession. I'm in financial services. I stopped doing the things that got me to where I was, which is a big mistake of entrepreneurs, right? I thought I had arrived. And so I'm basically out of money. And the turning point was... I had to pay my ex $5,200 a month in alimony and child support at the beginning of each month. And I'm out of money. And I had to do it the next day. And the only thing I could come up with was asking my wife for the money to pay my ex-wife. Oh, man, that's heavy. Sounds like fun times, fun (laughs) times. I'm curious, how long was the time frame from when your wife, your current wife or your wife at the time found out? And then like, how long had this gone on? When she found out to this point of running out of money? From the point where you said, okay, I'm handing it over to the point that it kind of continued before things started to head in the right direction, I guess. I mean, we're probably about 12 to 15 months. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So now I'm going home and I have to like do the ultimate sales job. And anyway, it's fun when my wife and I speak in public, we do the 30 minute version of the story and then she goes unhinged and we kind of scare the hell out of the crowd. It's kind of fun (laughs) anyway, but she plays it out the way it played out that night, which I'll save you all that, but it wasn't good. And she threw her purse at me, which like ladies, I guess. If you're throwing your purse, the final straw, (laughs) and then she's picking it up and throwing it again. And anyway, and so she's listing all the things about me that aren't good. And then I finally asked her the question. I'm like, well, why are we still married? And then crickets chirping, right? Like it was dead silence. She stares at me. She goes upstairs and the turning point was, became super clear to me that wherever I've had a money problem in my life, I've always been there. (laughs) right? Like wherever I've had a problem in my life. And so it was the first time in my life that I was like, oh my God, I, Chris Felton, created the whole disaster. And it was super clear. And it was the first time in my life I actually took 100% responsibility. It was no longer the recession, right? Just like when people are like, oh, it's the pandemic. I'm like, no, you can't. No, no, you can't use that. It was no longer my ex-wife. It wasn't my team not doing what they were supposed to do. It wasn't my current wife. It was freaking me. And so with that clarity, I sit down and I start thinking, I'm like, God, dad's broke. Mom was broke. Grandma's broke. Grandpa's broke. Great grandma. Now it's getting even more clear. I'm like, oh my God, it's just been poverty 
for generations. Anyway, so the next day, and then we can kind of turn it to what you guys want to ask me, but the next day, Marlo comes downstairs and she's like, all right, we're not declaring bankruptcy. We're not getting divorced. What are you going to do about it? I said, here's the deal. I'm going to figure out how my brain keeps creating broke and I'm all in. I'm totally committed. I'm going to read everything on mentality around money and mindset. I'm going to figure out what my belief systems are. I'm going to remake my belief system like you'd remake a golf swing. I'm going to be all in and I'm going to treat this like an Olympic athlete treats their sport, which there's no hesitation. They are freaking all in, right? I'm all in. I'm going to get up at four or five. I'm going to get up early. I'm going to journal. I'm going to read. I'm going to image. I'm going to visualize. I'm going to get coaches. I'm freaking changing this. And then she said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get on planes, trains, and automobiles and find self-made, world-class, wealthy couples that have wealth in every area of their life, not just money. They're not on Instagram posting their Lambos and all that, right? They're real, legit people. They got great families, great spiritual lives. They give with a lot of money away. So I'm going to figure out what they do and what they think. And so she would do that. I would do my work on me. We'd meet in the middle and it wasn't overnight, but slowly but surely, inch by inch, we ate the elephant one bite at a time. We had absolute crazy, crazy, phenomenal financial transformation and went from dead broke to, and like I said, I don't brag about it. And there's obviously more successful people than me, but I had a little time when I turned 50 in August to reflect back on what's happened in the last 10 years. And it was jaw dropping what happened to us in a very positive, powerful way. Wow. This story just illustrates to a T that everything happens for a reason. Right. So just like there's generational wealth, there's also generational financial strain. And just as you discovered, passed down to you that mindset and those lessons have been passed down to you generation after generation. You didn't know anything different. And it took these wake up calls first with the meditation and you having that clarity to say, okay, I'm going to turn this over to my wife. And then her discovering that. And then you having that low point where you had to go to her and say, okay, I need to cover alimony support payment. And I need you to help me with that. If that's not a come to Marlo moment, I don't know what is. But through those, it sounds like because you had those wake up moments, that's what led you ultimately to say, you know what, this stops right here. This stops right here. I'm not taking any more of this. This stops. I'm going to figure out the path forward. I'm not going to stop at anything. I'm going to figure this out. And I love the fact that you two, even through the strain that you went through, and I'm sure it was very tense and very stressful, but you got to a point where you were on the same page and you were supporting each other. And a lot of people don't have that, but you got to a point where you were like, you know what? Doesn't matter what we went through. We're going to be on the same page moving forward. We're going to work together. So tell us at that point then, so you committed and you said, okay, I don't care. I'm going to figure this out. What did you do next? Did you turn to books? Did you go online? Did you listen to podcasts? Did you call friends? What did you do? So I had, and I have a very specific morning routine of like, people like, well, how do I change? I'm like, well, it's it's one day at a time. And so especially this time of year, we're talking early January, everybody's trying to make 25, 30 different changes And by February, much like the gyms that are totally packed right now, those will be empty and most people can't find what it is they committed to. And so the changing one day at a time and winning the day 
I had to make sure that as my coach was telling me, he's like, you got a an hourglass. It's full of black sand right now, brother. You need to drop just one little piece of gold in there every day. And the one little piece of gold was to make sure that I was getting up and doing the work of the reading, the journaling, the reading my Bible, the imaging, the visualization, even if it was 30 minutes, I just tell people like they shower every day, you know, they brush their teeth, hopefully every day, they eat every day, but they should go to the mental gym every single day. And so that was a commitment I made. And the way you increase confidence, and I needed it at that time, right? The way you increase confidence is you keep your word to yourself, which is People can follow me on Instagram. I posted it last Friday or before New Year's. And I said, number one goal of 2022, keep my word, right? Do what I say I'm going to do. And then everything else is going to turn out. So that was one. I didn't really talk to friends about it, but I located a coach. I called it a hand of God moment, how I even found him. And he was already wildly financially free and had been for decades because everybody wanted to coach me, but they weren't living the results. Right. So that was Was a financial coach, a life coach. He passed away in his February in his late eighties, but he was the whole package. He was foxhole buddy. He was somebody I could confide in. I didn't have one and he helped our relationship. He said, Chris, you're a great goal setter, but you're a horrible goal achiever. Like he flipped that around on me. He was phenomenal for about four years, but he was financially free and had been for decades. And that was like, I want to coach you. I'm like, do you need my money to pay your bills? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm sure you're great, dude, but I need someone that's actually living the results. But I think it was, I wasn't interested in financial independence. I was committed to it. And so then the next thing is Marlo and I, uh, the concept's called objective reality. And it's the capacity to look at your situation out emotion. And the problem with most people and why 96% of Americans retire broke is they don't want to look at their situation because they don't want to feel bad about themselves. But if you don't look at it, it gets worse. So that was the optimism and delusion I was living in. And so Marlo and I had a weekly meeting and have had it for years where we had to set our number one financial goal. She laid out the bloodiness of our balance sheet, our net worth, our budget, all that. We had to really come to grips with where we were. But then, you know, Annie and Julie, we had to get really, really, really clear on where we wanted to go. And most importantly, we had to develop what's called compelling emotional reasons why. So people that struggle with goal setting think goal setting is a logical thing. The high performers know it's emotional. And so we spent more time on why we wanted to move forward. And those reasons were I never wanted to have another stressful financial conversation with my wife as long as I lived. Yeah. Yeah. We've definitely experienced that. It's one thing to set the target, but it's way more important to set the why and to figure out because as you go on that journey to try to achieve that target, there's always going to be ups and downs and it's going to be the why that carries you through. And so yeah. you figured out your target. Can you just give us overview? Because I think a lot of people struggle with this part, the just figuring out what that target is, never mind the why. But was it like, a, we're going to make this amount of money per month? Was it, we're going to get out of debt by this date? Or how did you go about setting that goal? Yeah, awesome question. This is probably going to be totally opposite of what everyone's been told forever. But 
what you focus on expands. I mean, that's really everything around personal development. It really dials into where you focused. And for me personally, focusing on debt created more debt. We'll get back to our conversation with Chris in just a minute. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid, like we were, that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com slash invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com slash invest. And now back to our chat with Chris Felton. And so one of the best tips we got from one of the people that Marlo interviewed for our book, Couples Money, was, are you focused on fixing problems and fixing debt? Or are you focused on creating wealth? And I was like, well, I'm focused on fixing debt. And they were like, what's happened there? I'm like, it just has continued to grow. So it's not about being an idiot on the debt. We had a great plan for the debt. We had to get the interest rates down to as minimal as we could. We had to track it. We had to put it up. I mean, it's not like we were turning a blind eye to it, but we and me personally, I had to focus on creating wealth. So what we, and we had no money, right? So we set a big goal of if we could get $100,000 saved in liquid reserves that we could have access to, then that's literally the single best goal I've ever set in my life. Because my coach said, if you can't save money, that's a Brian Tracy quote, the seeds of greatness are not in you yet. And so you must be able to prove that you could save. So we tied all the compelling emotional reasons to it. And then we really chunked that down. And my coach taught me this time of year, the annual goal down to the quarter. So all my focus right now and has been for 12 plus years is on March 31st of 2022. That's where I'm totally focused. And then the strategies, tactics, and processes are what I do weekly. So if you look at an annual goal or a big goal and you're at base camp looking up at Mount Everest, it's way too overwhelming. People check out, but he was able to get me, and this was with my income too, 
from the annual to the quarter, everything's dialed into a quarter, but everything was about strategies, tactics, and processes for this week. And then at the end of the week, Marlo and I going, okay, of what we did this last week, what actually worked and what's something we should probably stop doing or shift. So what happened, Annie and Julie, was we started doing 52 small course corrections throughout the year versus 30 big ones at the beginning. So anyway, there was a lot there, but it was the overriding number one goal, not the 50. We set some other ones, but it was like, what was the number one? And we just got done doing this for 2022, a week or so ago. And we have our overriding number one goal for that too. So, and then the weekly check-in, the weekly course corrections, and we knew why. And none of this is really that hard. It's just easier not to do it. I have a question for you, Chris. So your story reminds me a lot of my story too, where you almost have like a breakthrough where something really like you get to a place, right? Mentally, financially, emotionally, where you're just like, I am done. No more. I will never come here to this place ever again. I will never find myself in this place. And in a way, it's almost easier for people like you and I, because we got to that place where it's just like, never again, we will never get there. I will do whatever it takes to get to wherever I'm trying to go. But what about for the people out there? Because I know there are a lot, I talk to them very often, who are like, I want to change. They want to, but it's not a have to or a need to. It's, I want to change. What do you say to those people who are out there who are like, I want to have financial freedom. I want to raise $10 million. I want to do this and I want to do that because it's such mindset, right? But they never went through something that was so devastating or so hard where they're just like, got that level of commitment that you and I had, right? And Annie has had as well. How do you talk about that to somebody who comes to you and says, well, I want to be financially free. I want to have a great relationship with my wife or my husband. What do you say to that? I mentor a lot of entrepreneurs too. And and I've already said it once, are you interested or are you committed? And most people are totally interested in that. Yep. And so I've been very fortunate to have some just amazing mentorship. And every time I get with them, I, my left brain CPA wants to get into the tactics and strategies and the processes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they all go to the mindset, but mostly they want to know my compelling emotional reasons and my desire. So when people come to me and they say, hey, I want to do this, I send them away and I'm like, okay, write down your top 10 reasons why. And it's funny, Julie, they come back and sometimes it's four or it's seven. And I'm like, no, it's 10. And if I could reach over the computer, I'd produce my game plan for the year. And in there is where I'm going for the quarter. But in there are my top 10 compelling emotional reasons. Mm -hmm. So if you can't come up with that, I view being an entrepreneur, you must become an entrepreneur. It's not even optional in my mind for lots of reasons. That could be a whole nother show. But being an entrepreneur is, it's the Maserati, but if there's no fuel in that vehicle, which is your top 10 reasons, your goals, dreams, your aspirations, then the thing's not going to go. You guys know who David Goggins is. I mean, he talks about, you know, training Navy SEALs and all the crazy stuff that guy did. If, if anyone's not listening to Can't Hurt Me, that is like the most insane book 
makes me feel like a pansy every time I listen to it. But I don't know that book, so now I'm embarrassed. Oh, sister, you, you'll freaking love it. Can't, can't hurt me. There's some colorful language, almost every other word, but it is the most crazy, crazy, crazy story. And the crazy okay. things that he did physically that when he wanted to retreat, he always had any, did you listen to it? No, Can't hurt me. David Go- Do you guys know no. who he is? David Goggins? No. Go now I'm, gonna, I'm curious. Yeah. Oh my I'm God. So embarrassed. <laughs> it, no, no, no. You don't need to be embarrassed. He probably has 150,000 likes on what he's a little extreme, but basically this guy, he went through buds training, seals training like three times. He got through it on two broken legs. He's done every ultra crazy. He, he has the pull-up record. He went to ranger train. Anyway, so it's super entertaining book to listen to. Okay. And then do you guys know who Jesse Itzler is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Itzler's married to Sarah Blakely, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Spanks lady. So anyway, Julie, this will tie it all together. He meets David Goggins, and then he had Goggins move in with him for 30 days. Oh my God. So there's a book called Living with the Seal. Itzler narrates that is massively entertaining. Anyway, I'm way off topic there. But every time Goggins would be on a hundred mile run and at mile 70, his brain's like quit. And this, this is time back to your whole thing, right? Because there's a little bit of pain that goes with going to the next level. I had to go through some pain. And every time he wanted to give up, if he could not quickly figure out why he wanted to continue, he would quit. He was trained. He knew what to do. And he said all the SEALs that he's trained, he's got a school that trains them. The ones that come in that look the best are in the best shape that literally look like they are the deal. They are prepared, but they don't know why. And so when that moment hits and it's going to hit and it's like, quit, if you can't quickly come up with your why, you will quit. Yep. And so when people come to me and they're like, I want to be wealthy, all that stuff. <laughs> and they got no energy on it either, right? They have like yeah. no juice. Oh, totally. Right. One of yes. my favorite quotes is if you're juiceless, you're useless. And <laughs> right. If you're juiceless, you're useless. And if yes. they don't have juice or enthusiasm, and you know when somebody comes to you and they're yeah. like, I'm gonna go do this, and you're like, Yeah. But 90% of the time you're like, no, you're not. Yep. Like there's no conviction in your voice. Yep. You're not convincing me. I'm not saying you can't, but you won't. Yeah. That was more than you were. No, it absolutely does. And it's so funny because we're big Tony Robbins fans. I don't know if you are either, but, um, you know, we talked about this when we went to date with destiny. Do you remember Annie? We talked about hitting the breakthrough moment, Mm -hmm. right. And where people have this moment, which I think all three of us have had at one point or another, but getting time, then taking that breakthrough moment, then ask going through the why, right. And Tony talks about this too. And it's funny. You talk about the hundred mile run. I thought I was so brave because I did a marathon recently, didn't train at all. And I reached my like 18 mile mark. And I was just like, Oh, my gosh, and my why yeah. it totally but I went immediately to like, why am I doing this? And why do I need to finish? And it was because of my sister. And my sister had asked me to do this marathon six months prior. And I thought, Oh, sure, I have plenty of time to train for this thing. And she was going far ahead. She didn't train at all. But my why was so strong because I knew that I couldn't give up on my sister because if I quit, 
she's going to finish this thing and cross that thing by herself. She invited me to come along with her because she wanted this to be something that we do together. And so that's what pushed me. That's what took me the next eight miles. And at the last two to three miles, when I literally thought I was going to (laughs) die, it was her and I walking side by side next to each other. And it was the moment that we crossed the finish line and looked at each other very slowly and tiredly and just like high-fived and was like, good job. (laughs) There was no energy left to even do that. But it goes all back to the why. And so I encourage all of the listeners out there who, whether it's you want to run a marathon, you want to raise $10 million, you want to find financial freedom, whatever it is, to ask yourself, come up with that list. Like Chris said, come up with that list of 10 reasons. And if you can't come up with those 10 reasons why you're not ready and you're not, you'll quit. You will, right? And that's such a good lesson for people who are out there who maybe haven't experienced that point, that low point of like breakthrough. And so that's just something that I'm always curious about because we coach a lot of folks as well in our coaching program. And a lot of entrepreneurs come to me and exactly what you said, I don't hear that conviction. I don't hear that commitment. I know immediately when I talk to them, whether this is somebody who's going to be successful or somebody who's not. And it always comes back to that level of commitment that they have, right? About why they're doing all of this. So yeah, no, I was just going to say, and most often the reasons it's not the Lamborghini, it's not the home. That's usually not enough. It's almost always tied back to people, right? So for me, it was yeah. my wife, it was my kids. If you don't have those, then early on in my entrepreneurial career, it was just proving that I could do it, prove it to myself. And then also, I didn't look at it all the time, but also proving my naysayers. They're in your life for a reason. They're not bad people. God's literally putting them in front of you to get you out of your comfort zone to move forward. So anyway... Well, before we move on to the last part of the show, I did want to talk a little bit about couples and money. It's an interesting thing, right? When you think about why do couples fight about money? It's like the number one thing that couples fight about. We're not fighting about this thing, this paper thing, right? It's not about this. In your opinion, what do you feel like it's really about? When couples fight about money, what are they really fighting about? You know, it's unconscious, right? It's belief systems, it's programming, and you got the saver, you got the spender, you got sorts of different money personalities, you got the person that's the controller, the one that wants to have fun, you got the analytical, you got all that. So it's really about the personalities, it's emotional. But I think the one big thing, and and I, I talked to a lot of people about it, is the couple usually does not have a unifying goal. And that's what I always have to fight for clarity, right? Like what's dominating my thinking? What am I focused on right now? What must that be creating in my life? And so when we sit down with couples, they usually, there's such a gap in expectations, which was the ruination of my first marriage, right? I was justified in where I was. I was right. She was too. And we just had this massive gap and her and I had no unifying financial goals. And so left our own devices, right? We're either going to do the wrong thing or do nothing. And so what saved Marlo and I, because our personalities are very different around money, our backgrounds are completely opposite. Our belief systems are totally opposite was we set that one unifying goal. And it was that initial, we've set more since, but it was that one unifying goal that we both had, we bought into right? So sometimes there's a fear of conflict, so we don't do anything. And conflict's great to get commitment to buy into a unifying goal 
that has the compelling emotional reasons at the end of the day, that it's going to help you have a better life. So almost no couples have that except for the wildly financially free ones. And is it like people, like when you say financial goal and yours was to get out of debt, remind me, what was your one big one that you guys unified on? It was getting $100,000 saved, right? Which, okay, which got and, it. and the reason we set that was if we got there, we knew we'd never go back into debt. Okay. So that was the big one. So it was very specific. It wasn't just like to be financially free or to live wherever, or I don't know. It was very specific. It was to save $100,000. And I imagine part of that is also to be out of debt too. And so getting together with your partner and sitting down and not just having some wild goal, like let's be financially free or like travel around the world, but to have some very specific goal that both of you guys are working towards. Is that what you would say to sit down and have that conversation? Yeah. I mean, and once again, I mean, one of the problems is is our environment dictates our thinking a hundred percent, right? And people live by default and nothing changes. It's like Bill Murray and Groundhog Day. And so if you continue to focus out here, nothing's ever going to change. It's like you guys probably meet people you've known for 20, 30 years, nothing changes. So there's zero intentionality about their lives. And so we bought into inside out living. And so it was, we had to get very specific, but evidence was like never going to happen, but we didn't want to pay attention to that. So we did define financial independence, but we defined it by a certain amount of a revenue number, a net worth number, a size of our business. We were super, super, super clear. That had to happen. The reason why 96% of people never get there is they can't define financial independence and they can't define the reasons they lack clarity. So to say financially free, how are you even going to know if you're there? But the first hole on an 18-hole golf course if the 19th hole, the bar was our financial independence, hole number one, we had to finish was 100,000 saved. Hole number two was becoming cash millionaires, right? Hole number three was a certain net worth anyway. So, but we had to get focused on hole number one, not the 19th hole where the bar was where we were going to celebrate, right? Yeah. No, I love that. I think that's such great advice. It's something that I think I'm going to sit down and talk with my husband about tonight. So, (laughs) and make sure we're all on the same page. I know Annie and I do this work in our business and as the result shows, we're having a lot of success. And so, but we're very specific and we're very clear in our partnership as well. So any business owners that are out there that might have a business partner, sit down and do this with them as well. I think it can work. So awesome. Well, we are going to roll into the last part of our show, the Life and Money Show Spotlight Round, where we're going to ask you a couple of questions around life and money. So the first question is around your life and money. So what is one thing that you're doing right now to live a meaningful, and as we just talked about, intentional life by design? Well, like I said, it's getting clear. It's getting clear on the next level. And you're either growing or dying, and you're kind of screwed when you start seeking comfort. So continue to do the things that caused the transformation back in the day, and and I'm continuing to do it. And I know that fulfillment, and this is a Tony Robbins too, right? True fulfillment only comes from growth and service to others. End of story. You're never going to find it in stuff. And if you look for it in stuff, I call it looking for love in all the wrong places. You're not going to find it there. So you got to continue to grow and bring more value to people. That's where it is. 
Isn't that so funny? And the sad part is that so many people do the exact opposite of that in hopes to get that feeling of fulfillment and they never get there. One of the things that I love about what we do here at Good Egg and in our business is that's always the focus is we're always growing. I'm always forcing us to grow outside of our comfort zone. I think real growth happens outside of your comfort zone for sure. Um, Yep. Love that. All right. Second question is around others' life and money. So what is one life or money hack that you can share that'll make an impact in others' lives right now? I think one of my transformational points was creating, getting a journal, having a money journal. And the first thing my coach had me do was write the word money down and write down everything I made up about it. And what we are as humans is we're phenomenal storytellers. And so the reason I was broke was what I was making up about that being hard because we get that ingrained in our brains. Everything has to be freaking hard, difficult, whatever. When I wrote down the 15 to 20 things rolling around in my brain around that word, it wasn't going to work. And money's a relationship and you either know if it's functional or not based on what's going on. So basically what I had to do, Julie, was rewrite that story. So figure out what your relationship is with that word based on the stories that you make up about it. And it's very telling. I'm curious, a money journal. So that was the first thing that you first entry. What do the subsequent entries look like? <laughs> do you write on a daily basis, like how your beliefs and thoughts about money have changed? Um, what does that look like? I was more super intentional because my coach is like, dude, you've been thinking a certain way for decades. Yeah. You're not going to spin out in 21 days. Like it's probably going to take some years, which it did but I saw progress. So I was hyper intentional about it for the first two to three years. I still check in, but what's happened is the beliefs have taken over. Now my game is what am I actually imaging in the future and what's kind of dominating what's imaging. So I could go back periodically, maybe once a quarter and look at that, but I've done a pretty good job of upgrading those belief systems. Now it's really all about how big am I really thinking and what do I really see? So I don't know if that made sense or not, but foundation of the house got remade. Yes. And so I don't necessarily need to go revisit the foundation again. I just need to continue to build on it. Right. Yeah. It's like you had to get new table legs. Our coach always talks about that on your belief table through that journaling. Yep. I love that. Yeah. I love that. All right. Well, last question is around life and money in the world. So what is one thing that you're doing right now to make the world a better place? Well, doing this, but I'm also, uh, hopefully you guys will have me back in about 12 months as I'm writing the book of books around all this. So I'm contributing to that, which will turn into a keynote. And so podcast speaking, coaching, and having uncomfortable conversations to help people see where they are. So this is my word is impact. So before I depart the planet, I want to impact 10 million people in a very positive, powerful way. So that's what's driving me. And I think through everything that you've talked about here and all, everything that you're doing through the books you're writing, the speaking you're doing, it's sharing your message, sharing your story. And that's the greatest impact that you can have. And being vulnerable about all those things that you went through, the hard moments that you went through, so that others who are following in your footsteps can veer away from those mistakes that maybe you made and make different choices for their own lives. And so I think that's a huge impact that you're making there. And so 
for all of our listeners, tell them if they did want to follow up with you, maybe meet you where you're giving these keynotes or get a copy of your next book or Couples Money, what's the best place that they can go? Yeah. So we got couplesmoney.com is the website and there's different resources, the books there, different talks I've given. I have up there free one hour coaching session. Really anybody that wants to kind of do the deeper dive on that. Probably where I spend most of my time is I do a daily post on Instagram and it's a CF, Susan, Charlie, F and Frank, underscore E, the number two E. And E to E stands for helping people move from employee to entrepreneur. So everything that I'm doing over there is daily post on stuff that's made a big impact in my life. So that's probably the best place people can connect and follow. And then I do a monthly Instagram live. And so I have some uh, pretty amazing people on promote that. And anyway, so that would be how people can track me down. Awesome. E to E, employee to entrepreneur. I love that. Well, for all of our listeners, we'll have all those links for you in the show notes. Chris Felton, bestselling author, personal finance expert, and professional speaker. Chris, thank you so much for being here with us today and sharing your wisdom and your experience with us. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to The Life and Money Show, the number one podcast for people who, like you, are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth and making an impact in the world. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com and be sure to join the Life and Money Show community on Facebook. And if you got value out of this show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations.